This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hi, Blue Wire listeners. I'm Greg Olson. I'm excited to partner with Blue Wire to bring you TE1, a podcast where I interview the tight ends who have revolutionized the position. Listen in as I have raw, in-depth conversations with the all-time greats like Shannon Sharp, Tony Gonzalez, Travis Kelsey, and George Kittle. We'll explore how the tight end position has changed over the last 60 years and what it takes to be the very best. Subscribe to TE1 from Blue Wire Studios today so you're ready for the August premiere. into the Fantasy Football Mailbag, a Rotoviz podcast. This is the August 7th episode, and we, as always, are dedicated to answering all of those fantasy football questions. I'm your host, Mike Randall. Please follow me on Twitter at RandallRant. And today, we are talking to one of the key people here at Rotoviz, host of the College to Canton podcast, fantastic writer, great insight into all levels of fantasy football, especially the incoming rookies and the NFL stars of tomorrow. This is Travis May, folks. Travis can really give you an edge on some great mid- and late-round redraft picks that could be league winners in 2020 and beyond. So vital, especially we have the limited preseason upcoming this year. Great work. Rising star in the fantasy community. Follow him on Twitter at FF underscore Travis M. Travis, great to have you on the road of his mailbag. The absolute perfect guest for the month of August as we get ready here for seasonal leagues. What's good, my man? Hey, glad to be here. Just uh, ready for some real life football. I need something, any anything. You know, it's cool. Like you know, the MLS came back. I'm like, hey, that's a real sport. And hey, you know, there's stuff, other stuff easing in. But really, football. <laughs> that's where it is for me. So I'm ready to talk some, talk some shop, talk some uh, fantasy football here too. So should be a good time. Listen, I'm excited, Travis, about doing NBA over/unders. Don't get me wrong, but I mean, we could, <laughs> we could use some football. It would be fantastic. And listen. All I saw in my mind when Damian Williams opted out was that gif of Kaiser Soze kissing his fingers when he says the line, just like that, he's gone, right? From a dynasty redraft or potentially any fantasy perspective, he's certainly toast. It's a shame because he's going to be our FFPC stat attack of the show, and it illustrates just how good he was. After dealing with that knee contusion and rib strain, Williams had three PPR RB1 performances from Week 9 forward, and he was the overall RB3 in Week 17. Now, that's not fantasy relevant, but it was worth noting. So Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, Travis, locked and loaded in seasonal leagues. Let's kick it off with a million-dollar dynasty question, however. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire or Jonathan Taylor? I'm going with Jonathan Taylor. Just uh, I'm not saying that it's an easy decision. Uh, I'm just saying I think he's going to be the guy really this year and next. And I think we're all really super excited 
about God Edwards Hilaire this year, but but it's all about the price, right? I think in in most drafts, it's it's in redrafts, he's he's creeping up and being taken as like the first overall pick in some spots right, right now. So uh, that's kind of tough to justify there. And really, in dynasty startups, he's already going in uh, first round easily, and so you can get Jonathan Taylor later. So for, just from a cost standpoint, I'd want Jonathan Taylor. But realistically, as as a prospect goes. We kind of already knew Jonathan Taylor was pretty much nearly perfect uh, as a prospect coming in. Uh, he wasn't the absolute crazy freak speedster that uh, Saquon was, but he still had an incredible size speed uh, going for him. Uh, he also had, you know, just the most yards from scrimmage per game all time in NCAA history. Uh, and then, of course, he's he's got uh, he filled out and answered the receiving game questions in his final season. So there was almost no holes in his game, and then. He gets drafted to a good spot behind a good offensive line. Yes, there's still Marlon Mack and Naheem, Naheem Hines there, but realistically, we're talking about a guy uh, who's a day two or day three back that's in, his, in the final year of his career in Marlon Mack, and then we've got a scat back who's not even an, if in a, like really not even efficient at what he's supposed to be good at uh, when it comes to the NFL. He was a great college player in Naheem Hines. I'm talking about, but they're not going to keep Jonathan Taylor down for either of those guys. Uh, so, yes, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is probably going to jump out to a quick start. Yes, he's got some great uh, touchdown potential in that in that offense, naturally. Uh, but uh, he doesn't necessarily – he's not guaranteed the, the same PPR floor that he was even at LSU. He had like 55 catches at LSU uh, last season. But uh, given the market share distribution of Patrick Mahomes, that that's not necessarily even a lock for the Chiefs. So I like Jonathan Taylor – uh, just flat out by a hair uh, for really redraft and dynasty giving cost and really just straight up long term anyway. You know, Ben Gretsch put a, a tweet out today. He said his new favorite comp for Jonathan Taylor's 2020 upside is Adrian Peterson's rookie season because in 2006, Chester Taylor was a 1,500-yard back. There's a name for you yeah, for the Vikings. Yeah, Chester Taylor. And then in 2007, yeah. he still had 1,100 yards, but AP had 1,600. So I agree. And, of course, Travis, we saw the picture of Jonathan Taylor that said this is not a linebacker. So we know how social media moves the needle. It certainly does, right? Yes, it definitely does. When you when you look like an absolute, mo- he looks like the Hulk. Let's be real. Yeah. Like he looks like the Hulk with with a mask on in that picture. So uh, that definitely moves the needle a little bit. But people just overreact with with the Ceh stuff. Uh, really, we we forget that he's uh, not a crazy athlete. He's he's actually quite small, uh, and there are imperfections with his p- profile overall. Like he. Couldn't beat out Nick Brissett at LSU uh, in his uh, yep. the year before just this last one. And really this year he only held off John Emery and co. Because uh, a couple of them were hobbled with injuries in the Vanderbilt and Utah State game. And it just so happened that he was the super productive guy. And it's great that he's going to show up. And it's great that he can make you miss in a phone booth. That's cool. But there, there are more questions that I have um, uh, in terms of really long-term outlook for him. Uh, but I get the opportunity. I do. And so I, I don't dislike him. I just dislike the price. Hey, listen, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire will get off to a good start, but I, I think the second half of the year can be just like Miles Sanders, who we'll talk about in a minute. But Damian Williams, gone, not forgotten, our FFPC stat attack of the show. FFPC, home to the best fantasy football leagues and contests in the industry, folks, including Dynasty Best Bowl and, of course, the world-famous FFPC main event. If you want to learn more, join a league. Go to myffpc.com. That's myffpc.com. Of course, we have a ton of tools here at Rotoviz designed specifically for FFPC 
domination. I keep the best ball command center open all the time when I'm doing my best ball drafts. So folks certainly enjoy. And now Travis heading over. We want to talk about Miles Sanders versus Josh Jacobs. So Curtis Patrick, Sean Siegel, Scott Barrett, they do a great job, of course, here. Had Scott on the podcast in, in Rotoviz, and they talked about Jacobs versus Sanders. Now, there's a quote on social media, John Gruden very angry that Josh Jacobs did not get Rookie of the Year. It went to Kyler Murray, of course. Now, this should be good for Jacobs, but they also drafted Lynn Bowden. They did kick the tires on Jeremy Hill, but they just let him go today. Jacobs was not involved in the passing game last year. Only 20 receptions, 28 targets. He didn't have any on third down, which is shocking. So I'm asking you, Jacob Sanders, both going around the same time, so that end of round one-ish in seasonal leagues. So who do you like better this year? And I'm curious, who do you like better in Dynasty? As prospects, I gave the edge to Miles Sanders. He was my running back one. The opportunity, though, last year was just too glaring and really kind of kind of pushed Josh Jacobs over the edge. And even still, I think based on prior usage history, we, we've got to think that, you know, maybe Miles Sanders might not – quite get the keys to the the convertible in the offense this year as much as Josh Jacobs might. So um, I, I think you have to lean Josh Jacobs just on uh, the, the it, just slightly better opportunity there. I still think long-term Miles Sanders is, is relevant longer than Josh Jacobs uh, in the NFL. But as of this year, I think we have to give the edge. I mean, if you look at them across the board, it's funny how similar their efficiency stats were uh, last year. They both had almost exactly 62.5% of their yards after contact. Like, like it just mirrored across the board. Like, their broken tackle percentage, like, first down percentage, really, really close in a lot of efficiency categories, just as players and, and, and how they performed. Really, and they really obviously looked like the one two punch in last year's rookie running back class. But I think Gruden is, is going to be angry again and really want to ground and pound and, and go with old school football and. They're going to throw some weird things in with Lynn Bowden, you know, carrying some wildcat carries. But I don't think that's going to be like a huge wrinkle. Uh, I think his, his best game is still really as a receiver. Um, so I, I really can't wait to see what that Raiders offense looks like. I hope Brian Edwards actually becomes the X there. Uh, but they don't have a ton of proven guys there, right, in, in the receiving game. So they're going to have to be relied upon uh, Josh Jacobs. Uh, and Miles Sanders, I still like a ton. I really like Jalen Rager there. I hope he, he gets a decent market share as well. But got to give the edge to Jacobs. Yeah, and listen, his floor, I think, is what he was used at last year, Jacobs, right? So that we've seen his floor. He's certainly going to be the goal line guy. He's certainly going to get the early down work. If he gets anything in the receiving game, certainly both are really close here. But I, I think Jacobs is a reasonable call. For some unknown reason, Travis, breakfast has become a focus on this podcast because Jake Seeley <laughs> gave a deep dive into his cereal sort of criteria and metrics. So I'm asking everyone that's coming on, what do you do for breakfast? And if you go cereal, where are you going? So it depends on what uh, I'm really doing that morning, if I'm you know working out at all or doing anything active. But a lot of times I just do something like a protein, like breakfast bar or you know like a protein shake i don't always do cereal but when i when i have to act like i'm a kid i, I just go and get something really sugary and just nonsense yeah i mean you, you got to right <laughs> i mean so i, I love some cinnamon toast crunch i mean you yeah. can't go wrong there so that's 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 a winner for me but honestly like i, I actually you know I, I wasn't until my wife got me into it but like i like that special k cereal too like that they got that kind of fake fruit going on yeah, <laughs> that, that that's okay too if you want to go healthier. But most of the time, 
I'm going to go with something super sugary. Cinnamon Toast Crunch, by far and away the most popular answer here on the mailbag. I think that's three weeks <laughs> I mean, weeks it has running. to be. It has <laughs> to be, yes. Very safe. Hall of Fame of cereals. I have a question here from Patrick in Arizona. Do you guys feel like Jared Goff is flying under the radar a bit? It's almost like people see him as a 30-year-old QB. He's still only 25 <laughs> years old. He's still with Sean McVay. He's one year removed from 4,688 passing yards, 32 touchdowns on a team this year that will likely need to throw more. No Todd Gurley. And, of course, the offensive line, not what it was a couple of years ago in the 13-3 and season. He likes Goff in seasonal, and he feels like he can be had on the cheap in dynasty. What say you, Travis May? Man, if we're talking about him throwing more, <laughs> the dude, like, he had 600 and, what, 630 yeah. attempts last year or something? So, yeah, he wasn't super efficient with it. Yeah, he threw more picks than he should. Uh, his, his touchdown interception ratio was not pretty. But I think you have to understand that his, his touchdown percentage is going to bounce back from what it was. It was just obscenely low. Uh, and you're right. He is just one year removed from an incredible season and going to the Super Bowl and all that. I think they are going to be um, in a situation where they have to throw it possibly even more than his 630-plus times. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think he's going to be dumping it off to Cam Akers. He's going to be having to rely on some of the tight ends. I know a lot of people like Tyler Higbee, uh, having to rely on, on Robert Woods as his, as his safety outlet, Cooper Cup, obviously. Uh, so uh, those guys are great, again, for PPR, and I think there's some valid uh, value PPR-wise with the at least one tight end there, too, just because, really, they, they could throw 650 times, you know, <laughs> like this year, uh, if not more, just because I think they're going to be down a lot, and they didn't address the offensive line. So he's probably going to take a ton more sacks this year. He actually had a pretty low sack percentage last year. Uh, for the uh, number of drop back and drop backs that he actually had, but yeah, we we cannot look past the fact that uh, he's already put together some decent numbers at a young age, and yeah, that might have been his ceiling a couple of years ago. But I think he's going to have more than 22 touchdowns, given the volume of attempts that are definitely going to be coming his way. My job when I ask these questions is not to lead the guest. And besides Ronald Jones' questions, I think I could do an okay job with that. But this next one, I'm going to try hard here. Jarvis, <laughs> Jarvis Landry this past week had the news. Browns placed him on the active PUP list. Now, that means he certainly can still be ready for the beginning of the season. But yes. that's not a deep, wide-receiving chart with OBJ Landry, Rashard Higgins, Tywan Taylor. Tight ends are deep, but Najoku wants a trade. Now he says he's all in. What are your thoughts on Kareem Hunt? Do dynasty owners need to just wait until he gets traded or a Nick Chubb injury? Because, you know, there could be value here. Is it possible that we're looking at the Browns this year with Stefanski and we have sort of a Kamara-Mark Ingram situation? Or what do you think about Kareem Hunt here in, in seasonal and long term? I mean, realistically, we kind of were looking at a similar situation like that down the stretch. I mean, when, once yep. Kareem Hunt came back, the, the splits – were what they were. Like Kareem Hunt was the was the Camara. You know, he, that's who he was. Um, not to the same extent uh, per se, but he definitely could could be. So I think if you own Kareem Hunt in in Dynasty right now, um, I'm okay holding because yep. I mean, like if there is an injury, good lord, that's going to be a ridiculous opportunity. I mean, given how we currently value Nick Chubb, I mean, regardless of of what Kareem Hunt's presence spoke to and and really influenced and changed his upside down the stretch last year, people are still taking him like what round one and, and redraft and, mm -hmm. and up there in that conversation uh, for dynasty too. So, I mean, it, when you, we, we talk about handcuffs, there is no more valuable handcuff than, than Kareem Hodge. So 
uh, I'd hold, and I would, though, have no problem jettisoning him off of my roster uh, after there is some kind of injury to Chubb or after he is traded to a situation where there's upside just because of of who he is and what's already happened in his career, I have no problem selling him just because um, you, you got to get smart and about maximizing your value, especially if you can add depth and add elite level kind of depth uh, there for now. But right now he's definitely a hard hold because there's so much value just by himself. He's a flex already, uh, and there's there's potential for ultimate future back role if there's any kind of injury going on. Hey everyone, have you ever heard of DealDash.com? It's the best, most honest bidding site where you can win things you never expect, all at a price you'd never believe. They have over a thousand auctions every day on electronics, appliances, beauty products, home decor, and even cars. Here's how it works. It's like an auction, but every item starts at $0 and only goes up one cent every time you bid. The kicker is that the auction clock restarts after just 10 seconds. That means every time you bid, everyone else has 10 seconds to answer the bid or the item is yours. If you go ahead and buy now, Deal Dash is offering our listeners an extra 100 free bids upon sign-up on top of their other discounts. Go to DealDash.com and use the offer code ROTOVIZ or DealDash.FM slash ROTOVIZ. That's D-E-A-L-D-A-S-H dot F-M slash ROTOVIZ. Before we get back to the show, just a quick word from our sponsor, Bet Online. Sports are coming back, thank goodness, and so are your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events. Major League Baseball is finally kicking off this week, and there's no better place to start wagering than our exclusive partners, Bet Online. Check out the odds, the futures, and props to bet on, all available 24 7. And with the return of sports, Bet Online sat down with former pro players Eddie George, Harold Reynolds, and seven time NBA champ Robert Ory. See what they had to say on what it will be like playing without fans in a series they're calling Fandemic. BetOnline.ag for all your odds and up-to-date sports news. Remember to use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus. That's promo code BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. Well, I have you on the pod here. I got to tap your knowledge of the players that have just come into the league that most here in, in your traditional fantasy format leagues may not know about. So I want to throw some names at you. Tell the people about them, whether you think they can be an impact here, possibly short term, but, but really more long term. Start with Detroit Lions rookie wide receiver Quintez Cephas. Played at Wisconsin. Pretty good landing spot. Less competition now. Geronimo Allison has opted out for the season. So Cephas, uh, dynasty thoughts and, and what you think he can do, if anything, with the Lions this year? I mean, he kind of got screwed uh, in, in college and how things played out. If he wasn't dealing with an injury, he was dealing with some kind of alleged criminal issue that got him kind of <laughs> dismissed from the, the team uh, temporarily. And so he, he almost never really got to show his stuff. Uh, and he never really put together a full season except for kind of this past fall, like this past year. Uh, and, and he dominated at times when he was on the field. If, if you really squint at his, his, his production profile and you look at just the games that he's in, he actually has a decent adjusted production profile, uh, in the healthy games that he is actually playing. Uh, now he did. <laughs> like run like a four seven or something, yep. uh, this spring at the combine. So not great. But he comes into a situation, you mentioned the Browns not having a ton of depth and their wide receiver core. Uh, not, the Lions aren't exactly stacked uh, either. Yep. I mean, they got Kenny Galladay, they got Mar- Marvin Jones, but Marvin Jones is probably going to be injured again. Mm-hmm. And Quintez Cephas, uh, Cephas did, did great things against some of the best corners uh, in the country last year. So uh, I think out of anybody, 
he's the he's the cheap flyer I'm going with on that entire offense for sure. Excellent call there. How about tight end? Albert Okui Boonham on the Broncos. Incredible athlete out of Missouri. We have the shower narrative here, Travis, with Drew Locke. He's blocked <laughs> by Noah fans. Can he find success in the next few years? You know, not this year as much, but next few years is Jake Butt, Nick Vanette, Troy Fumagalli, or is there no hope here? What do you think about Okui Boonham in Denver? Man, uh, Albert Okui Boonham. What a, what a name. But... Uh, <laughs> Because like it's uh, Albert O, Aquaman, whatever you want to call him, the dude was a beast at times for Missouri. He like right out right out of his first opportunity to do anything in college. I think it was his red, red shirt freshman season with Drew Locke at quarterback. He he tossed him what eleven touchdowns in year one. Uh, followed that up with another half dozen touchdowns. He didn't have a ton of yardage, but they had a, a, kind of some set offensive plays that they just built around. And they're like, this guy is too much of a weapon. He is too fast. He is too strong. He can high point the ball really well. He is too good to ignore. And and last year they completely wasted him in, at Missouri, mainly because Kelly Bryant couldn't hit anything. I, I still remember being at the Vanderbilt uh, Missouri game last year. Kelly Bryant missed Albert o- Albert Okwebuno uh, <laughs> exactly <laughs> by like yeah by like you know he over how do you overthrow a six six guy like running over the middle nobody in his way he overthrows him by like eight feet Albert leaps up just tries to get a finger on the ball or something and gets its legs taken out almost like looks like he breaks his neck comes down straight on his head walks out the field but he's back in two plays he's that kind of tough player that um, he, he dealt with injuries some last year and that was apparently um, some there were some red flags I guess with the physicals at, at the combine and that, that that's allegedly what led to his drop in draft capital but man the guys the guy's a baller so I, I hope he gets an opportunity uh, given how the Broncos just drafted I'm not sure where he lines up and, and gets his snaps year one because you got Fant at tight end and Probably Sutton because he's the proven alpha, and then you've got Jerry Judy and KJ Hamler as speedsters. So I don't know how he gets on the field uh, right away, but I think if if you hold on to him, if you've got a taxi squad, he's he's worth a hold or worth a look, worth worth a, a throw in type deal because I mean he ran what a four five ish four four nine at mm-hmm. two hundred almost two hundred sixty pounds like that's ridiculous. Crazy. So definitely one of my favorite uh, tight end prospects and in a pretty weak tight end class. And a great name to boot. And before we get down to Tampa Bay, who's trying to take their offense to the next level, I want to talk to you a minute about FanDraft, Fantasy Football Online Draft Board at FanDraft. You can take your league's fantasy football draft to that next level with FanDraft. It's an amazing online fantasy football draft board. What they do is they make your draft feel like the actual NFL draft with features such as like a streaming ticker, a live draft clock, incredibly cool, custom logos, team walk-up songs, multiple draft board displays, so much more, guys. It's incredible. FanDraft can be used offline for in-person drafts. You can export the display via a projector onto a large TV screen for the league to enjoy. Or you can do it fully online, and any number of the league owners can join the draft remotely. So you can do it now remotely, which is more important than ever, or you can do it in person. You can perform traditional and auction-style drafts. FanDraft supports IDPs, rookie-only drafts, keepers, and any customization you need for your league requirements. Sign up now for a free trial account at FanDraft.com. When you're ready to order the pro account, make sure you use the promo code ROTOVIZ15. You save 15% off the purchase. Again, that's FanDraft.com. Use that promo code ROTOVIZ15. You save 15%. Incredible fantasy football online draft board. Going to take your drafts to the next level. 
Let's head down to Tampa Bay. Now, many in the Dynasty community are hanging on to Justin Watson. Our own Matthew Freeman certainly is entering that critical third season for the Buccaneers. <laughs> but now he has to contend with Tyler Johnson, fifth-round wide receiver from Minnesota here. So does Watson find a place, or what, you, what do you know about Johnson here? Is it inevitable that Johnson's going to try to get up and nab that third wide receiver spot? There's literally no chance that Justin Watson's going to hold on to uh, <laughs> the, uh, the third receiver Role. I mean, I, it, it's cool. Like you look back at his pin stats, and you know, playing like uh, you know, uh, future accountants and you know, car salesmen and other things in the FCS. That's cool. Uh, he, he was like really great uh, adjusted production there. That's whatever. But in the pros, he was never really going to make it. He was fun to kind of get excited about, but he was never going to be the guy. Tyler Johnson it burst on the scene and was, it was productive right away from Minnesota. Posted an absurd adjusted production index across the board, with like I think a seventy percent something dominator, adjusted dominator one year had like over four yards per team pass attempt, which by the way is like ninety eight ninety eighth percentile. It's fine, you know. It's just yeah. by the numbers, he was a ridiculous prospect. Kind of a strange senior bowl season. He he didn't go to the the what's its face bowl that nobody wants to go to, uh, and. Um, <laughs> You know, he didn't do anything at the combine. It's just a some weird decisions. He he should have come out after his junior year, but uh, he, he's he falls into a situation where he's going to lock in that third receiver role. And if if Godwin or Evans misses any time, uh, he's he can immediately step in and be a difference maker. So he is going to be that guy. He's going to be probably not a field stretcher, but a possession wide receiver in the NFL and a good one at that. A real pivot point in seasonal and dynasty leagues is the Indianapolis Colts offense. There's a report this week, T.Y. Hilton, of course, suffered a hamstring strain. Now, that's not good for a player that relies on speed and is on the wrong side of 30. But the other players and receivers and, and receiving options in that offense, really critical to handicap here as we move forward. Paris Campbell, Naeem Hines, rookie Michael Pittman, of course, big end zone target. Who do you give the nod to here? How do you handicap uh, those those receiving options in Indianapolis? Because Hilton could miss some time this year, and moving forward on that team there, that's a good team, Frank Wright calling the shots. So it's sort of important to know where you think the priorities are in the receiving game. Oh, man, I, I would have to lean towards Michael Pittman having a, a really solid breakout, probably not in the first few weeks because uh, rookies always have some kind of learning curve. I think about the, the, the learning curve and really the per- – production arc of A.J. Brown last year. I think he could follow that, really kind of have a slow start, work his way into his meaningful market share, and and really be the wide receiver one down the stretch and finish with, you know, three wide receiver one weeks in his rookie season. Uh, I would give the nod to him over anybody else. Paris Campbell was a fun kind of yak guy, uh, you know, an athlete, but not necessarily a wide receiver for Ohio State. Took a bunch of, like, uh, tosses and jet sweeps and quick slants and you know, he, he added some yards. He basically saw virtually zero targets past 12 yards down downfield, which was strange for a guy with four three three something speed. So he's an athlete, not a wide receiver. Naheem Hines is is not really going to have the same role this year. Just period. He might go out and have a greater role with some injuries, but that's probably not going to be the case. So I lean Pittman heavily. Yeah, I like Pittman a lot. He's a guy that I'm picking up. It, it hasn't sort of caught on yet because I think the Paris Campbell and Hines hype with Rivers and passing out of the backfield to Eckler, Woodhead, etc., has sort of suppressed him. But I, I think Pittman can be a real player there, especially Hilton. If he doesn't start the year, I, I, I totally agree. 
to thank a teacher time, Travis. Give a shout-out to a teacher in your K-12 years. Anywhere you want to go, made a difference in your life as a person and a student. Give us a shout-out here to one of your favorite teachers. Oh, man, one of my favorite teachers. Let's see here. From all of K-12? through Like, that's anyone. tough, man. Yeah, anyone. Anybody. Who, uh, yeah. I think uh, Mrs. Schiltice. Let's go with first, first grade. Oh, Mrs. good. Mrs. Schiltice. I think she might still be teaching. I don't know. I thought she was super old back then, but she's still going. (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah, she was just such an encourager uh, and always took time to, with every kid, to just – I went to, like, private school, and we uh, had, like, Bible verse time where we had to memorize some things like that. And she really took some time to to have a teaching moment individually with every kid every single day, And, and that stuck with me. Like she, she was my favorite teacher for a long time and one of the kindest hearts I've ever known. And I uh, just always dedicated to each and every individual student. And that's, that's so hard to do, especially the loud kids like me. So, <laughs> you know, that, that, that really counts. And so teachers are, are heroes. So thanks for the opportunity for the shout out. That, that's fun stuff. Uh, it's a great one. Yeah. Teachers get forgotten about everything going on with COVID. There's so much talk around the world. Chicago now not going back this year. They're going virtual to start. So just a nice chance to, to say thank you there. Perfect. You mentioned this player before. Eagles fans did not like the Jalen Rager pick, but I think he's in line for a full load down there in, in Philadelphia. So talk about Rager. Alshon Jeffrey, who knows? Djax is great the first two weeks. We know that. But then injury issues and certainly he's getting up there in age. So Jalen Rager, how high are you uh, on him down in Philadelphia? I am incredibly high on Jalen Rager uh, this year, next, and beyond. Uh, I don't, I don't understand why the Eagles fans didn't like him. They probably just re- read a bunch of articles that mocked Justin Jefferson going their way too much, and they're like, okay, that's our guy, that's our guy. We got to watch all the tape. We get pumped about Justin Jefferson going to the Eagles, and I, you know, I, I saw a bunch of that too. People wanted to say that Justin Jefferson was going to be the guy. He was a, he was a scheme fit or whatever, but. And, and the part of it is, I guarantee you, no Eagles fans that live up in the Northeast watch Big 12 football uh, outside of like primetime Oklahoma stuff. And so they weren't watching TCU. And if they were, they turned it off because the quarterback play was so bad. And so it's just um, you miss uh, good players like Rager get lost when there's six bad quarterbacks that he has to deal with in three years. Um, and he's still... Uh, Pushed through that, had like a 45% dominator rating and still had a good adjusted production production profile any way you want to look at it. Broke out at an earlier age as well. Uh, so he checks a lot of the, just the analytical boxes. But just, then from a film standpoint, he's got the mad return skills. He, he creates separations on, on, on the short stuff and stacks well over the top on the deep routes and high points well. When you, when you aren't a 6'2", 6'3", Type body, you have to high point, you have to box out, and he does that incredibly well too. So I don't know why anyone ever thought he wasn't going to be a first round NFL draft pick to me. So huge, huge fan of Rager. Well, let's look at the top ten to twelve players at each position in ADP here and talk about seasonal potential busts. I've done this each of the last few weeks, so I'm going to go position by position. Curious quarterback. Is there a quarterback you see that's going in the top 12? People have mentioned Matt Ryan. They've mentioned Drew Brees because of the lack of the rushing ability. Someone you think could be a bust here who could, you know, in the top 12 quarterbacks per ADP in seasonal leagues may not return the value. Yeah, I mean, Drew Brees, I guess. But at the same time, he he's still just surgical. I mean, like last year, I'm pretty sure he still had the highest on-target percentage 
of all passers last year. So, yeah, he doesn't have the, the arm strength that he once thought and did. And honestly, he wasn't like a, a rocket even early on in his career. So I'm, I'm not necessarily worrisome about him. And he's got his best short yardage wide receiver still and Michael Thomas. And uh, he's got a couple of new faces there and still has Kamara. Uh, so I don't know if that that's going to be it. Uh, I think um, in terms of busts and, and ADP, we could be looking at something – don't don't take this wrong, but like you know, like a Lamar, Lamar Jackson not living up to okay. his yeah, sure. ridiculous uh, expectations. Because with within Superflex, uh, people are assuming because of the Konami code and his rushing ability that he's just going to be this every every week perfect starter, and that may not happen. Like if you if you drafted him in a Superflex league and in inside the top five picks. Like and you're not having another pick, and, and your RB ones come in at the end of round two, and he doesn't meet that every single week kind of top five upside. Um, that that could hurt you. And so, whereas when you got him uh, just a year ago as quarterback twelve or later, uh, in some cases of, of course um, there was immense value there because you still had a feature back, you still had an elite wide receiver in that round one. So it's all about the replacement value. I think every year those guys that are going up at the tippy top of where quarterbacks are taken in one quarterback or two, uh, the replacement value that you get in that slot, you're, you're missing out on a lot uh, elsewhere. So I I would say it bust just based off of he's still going to be a quarterback one period. Like there's no way if he's healthy that's not happening because of his rushing four. Yep. But I, I, just, I just think I'm a little worrisome that the ridiculous efficiency and the ridiculous numbers of attempts and the ridiculous yards after you know contact and rush and everything that, that he just broke last year might not repeat. That's no, it's, to, it's totally fair. And if you're going to take a quarterback early, and I, I say this with tight end, I am a hashtag wait on tight end guy. But if you're going to take a quarterback early in a non-super flex league, that's a one position starting spot. So the person has to smash. If it's Lamar Jackson last year, no problem. He wasn't going early. But if, if he has that performance again, he'll be fine. Patrick Mahomes, MVP season. But yes, if you take Lamar Jackson and he ends up being the quarterback five or quarterback six, not a bust, but that means you should not have taken him there. Totally agree. Running back, I've had some interesting answers here. Ian Harditz talked about how he likes Kenyon Drake, but he thinks Kenyon Drake is probably the riskiest one there in the top 12. Of course, people kept talking mm-hmm. about Nick Chubb or Kareem Hunt there. Aaron Jones can't count. Can't say Aaron Jones because he's dropped out of the top 12, but who's someone? Derek Henry was mentioned because there's no receiving uh, yardage there. And, of course, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is on the board. So top 12 running backs, who are you most concerned about? I think Dalvin Cook. I, I think oh, we look okay. at uh, – yeah. Uh, you know, what he did last year, amazing. First couple years, um, he wasn't always healthy. So what if that happens again <laughs> and he goes back to his not always healthy type ways? Uh, and really, they've got a, a really good back there that a lot of people aren't thinking of in Alexander Madison also. Nick Chubb would be the obvious one because of Kareem Hunt. We already talked about that. Didn't want to hammer that in, hammer that home anymore. But people are just smashing Dalvin Cook as like they're running back four, five, six, that that kind of range all day. Um, and I'm not sure that they don't change a, a little bit of how they distribute targets and, and uh, the, the run, run pass split this year. Uh, and really, uh, Madison might eat into some of his working. He might not be that uh, the same ceiling guy just, just by himself. And if you look at his yards of game last year and touchdown percentage, I'm not sure um, he's going to even repeat that. So 
there are, are questions. I love, again, I don't want to sound like I'm hating in the player because he was my running back one in, in that class, even over, honestly, he was over McCaffrey that year when he came out. But um like the player, but the situation dictates that maybe he, he doesn't live up to the hype. Wide receiver, who are you most concerned about here? Players that have been mentioned, Mike Evans, of course. You know, Galladay doesn't get a ton of targets and receptions. Rich Reborn called them the high-saturated targets, though. So people like him, Amari Cooper, Jake Seeley said Amari Cooper, probably one of the more overrated wide receivers he feels, especially against really top cornerbacks. And then Juju Smith-Schuster right now at, at number 12 is the last guy. So who in those top 12 wide receivers you think a little concerned about? I mean, you have to kind of be concerned about Mike Evans uh, just based on where we think Tom Brady is going to win with uh, his targets and where he is successful in his in his targets. And, it, and it's been in that mid-range. Um, and if I'm not sure we're going to rely on like a 400-year-old quarterback to just launch it downfield. Travis, where Mike I'll tell Evans. you. I'll tell you, Travis. I see another video of him throwing a pass there. No one is guarding these guys. Agumba cool. Wale looks great. Ronald Jones yeah. looks great. LaShawn McCoy. I mean, can we have somebody guarding these guys, please? Yeah. and and But really, it's about the market share percentage, you know? It's like they have so many weapons. They do have a lot of guys. Uh, they, they're bringing in more and more, it seems like, every day. Uh, they're bringing in the corpse of LaShawn McCoy, who, who, who might take some receiving market share out of the backfield. Uh, they, they want to get the ball a little bit more to Ronald Jones, and, and Keyshawn Vaughn's supposed to catch some. Like, so maybe they have a nasty uh, you know, PPR you know, stealing value backfield there. But then obviously Godwin's going to take 120-plus targets. And then if uh, Gronk is healthy and O.J. Howard, they have a ton of weapons there. So I'm not sure that uh, – you know that, Either one of uh, Godwin or Mike Evans are going to match their fantasy points over expectation versus last year. I mean, Godwin was just insanely, insanely uh, efficient, and Mike Evans was too. Um, and, and part of it was just game script heavy because, you know, Jameis Winston would throw like 17 picks and they'd have to chuck the ball uh, most of the time. So what happens if their, their pass volume goes down at all? Um, if one or two of those guys don't hit that 120 target threshold, you know somebody's going to miss out on that wide, wide receiver one season. And if it is any one of them, it might be Mike Evans, and he's probably still wide receiver 15 ish. But that would probably be a bust based on where he's going. You know, I looked at that second half tight end correlation over the last four years from where they're drafted in ADP, like tight end six, tight end 12, to where they end up. And, I mean, the correlation is almost zero, basically. So tight end here, I'm curious, outside the top guys, and maybe it's one of them, I don't know. But, of course, people have talked about Evan Ingram, Tyler Higby, Gronk is in there, Jared Cook even sneaks in. Who are you looking at here that you think uh, could be a little bit of a problem for tight end in seasonal leagues? You know, I don't know why we do this every single year. We're always looking for the next Travis Kelsey, the next Darren Waller, or whatever it is that is going to break out and be this uh, out-of-nowhere guy. Uh, and so this year, everyone is latching on to Tyler Higby as as the guy, and, and then they kill his value by, like, pushing him way up the board, and people get cute, and they're like, oh, I'm going to bet, I'm going to look smart, and took the guy earlier than anybody else did, and then that just destroys his average draft position, you know, and, and, and it happens to tight ends every year. There's, like, three or four of them that just get destroyed, and then half of them, all of them, but maybe one bust, and the actual one that everyone should have been targeting was going, like, tight end 18, you know, <laughs> you know, yep, yep. so... 
I think Higby is that guy just because of the volume that Robert Woods and Cup and probably some backs are going to take out of the, the backfield. And yes, they're going to have a lot of a lot of val, um, volume there. Uh, but if Goff doesn't fix his touch, touchdown woes, then the tight end is probably going to suffer there. Uh, and if I had to bet on any of the top tight ends suffering there and, and not matching their ADP, I think it'd be Higby just because he c- continues to soar up draft boards. Let's do a little redraft lightning round. Really quick response. I give you two players. You tell me who you like better. Let's say PPR leagues at their current ADP. So Rob Gronkowski right now around tight end 10. Darren Waller right now going around, and it's it's interesting. Waller is a guy, he's up there. He's I'd say he's tight end 5. So let's say Waller at tight end 5 or Gronkowski at tight end 10. Darren Waller or Rob Gronkowski? I, I still I think I'd still want Waller just because of the surrounding pieces like what like Tyrell Williams or Henry Ruggs as a rookie or Brian Edwards as a rookie like I'd like to write a success story for any of those guys but Waller was was the de facto wide receiver one for that offense and so that's not going to just get tossed in the trash so I, I think he's going to be up in that uh, top tier conversation again. You know, I think people are dismissing the old guard a little bit, and I put old in quotation marks. Next one here, two running backs, veteran running backs who have players coming in that should usurp their standing. Carrion Johnson is right now going at running back 39 for the Lions, and Marlon Mack running back 35 for the Colts. So Mack versus Carrion, which one do you like better? I mean, based on what I said about Jonathan Taylor, I kind of have to go carry on, right? <laughs> but uh, no, I think I was a big carry on guy uh, when, uh, when he came out. Uh, I think I'd have to go with uh, carry on just because when he has been healthy, he has been a mid running back too. You know, upper, I think his first year's running back 16 kind of numbers. And when he was healthy, it was about the, I think it was about the same just last year too. Uh, DeAndre Swift um, is good. I think he's going to come in and be the 1A to carry on one B, but I don't even think Marlon Mack is going to be a B uh, in this year uh, in terms of uh, single-year value. Yeah, and Mack's odd, Travis, because he actually caught passes when he was in college, but he's been relegated yeah. now with the options there. So I, yeah. I think the only people – people have Mack and Dynasty. They're holding on to the hope that maybe Taylor takes over and Mack slides that receiving role. I, I just don't see it. I, I, no. I like Carrion. Carrion can get you through those first couple weeks, which could matter in a COVID season. I mean, oh, Carrion Johnson could really get you going here, and, and he's, he's basically free. Yep. Last one, tight end, Blake Jarwin, who's tight end 18, or Chris Herndon on the Jets. Jets not getting a lot of love here on the podcast from people every week, but Chris Herndon, tight end 21. Blake Jarwin, tight end 18, Chris Herndon, tight end 21. Well, since Blake Jarwin's going to be a tight end one, I don't know why he's going that no, in that there range. It is. So, there it is. I mean, I mean not that uh, you know it can't happen for Herndon either, I think those are two great targets in that range, especially once you get that late. I mean, especially given that guys like John o. Smith, I think, are going ahead of probably both of them still, uh, where John o. is just on an offense that is simply not going to pass enough. Uh, I, I have same wor- the same worries with the Jets. Uh, so, But I know uh, with Dak Prescott at the helm, uh, they're still going to pass quite a bit. And, yes, they did bring in CeeDee Lamb. Yes, they have a fun trio. But I think Blake Jarwin is going to be – the guy that they go to when they get in close. Uh, he is what we've always wanted to come after Witten, finally. Uh, he, he he has that ability. You a sitcom guy? Have a favorite sitcom or two in your life? Yeah, so I, I'm always afraid to talk about shows because p- people are going to like reach out and find me and, and just torch me <laughs> for... 
for all my all of my favorite shows and everything. But you know, I just in in college, I I did like How I Met Your Mother. Uh, yeah, I did li- yeah, like course. that quite a bit. Yes. Um, it was just a show me and my buddies would always watch. And come back from from class, we'd flip it on and watch a season when we were supposed to be doing homework. <laughs> you know, yeah, it's just yeah. it's just nostalgic and. And it was funny. My my sister got really got me into uh, New Girl, which I thought was really sure. really funny. So I mean, they're not like the the everyone's favorite go tos, but those two have have been the ones that I I can rewatch for whatever reason, <laughs> just totally because oh, find yeah. some kind of attachment to the the quirky characters. Perfect. That's a different answer. I like hearing it. Very good. Question here from Glenn in Abington, Massachusetts. Love the work you guys do at Rotoviz. I'm a diehard Pats fan. What's the projection for this backfield moving forward? Damian Harris going to get a shot. James White keep his PPR magic going with Cam Newton. And how should I fantasy handicap the offensive options here in New England? What do you think here in New England with the uh, the running backs? Well, Glenn, that's a great question. And I love that. I'm not sure if he, he phrased it this way exactly, but he completely just left out Sony Michelle. Yeah, I think well, it's an anti Sony Michelle question. Yeah. No, and it's funny because I remember talking about Sony Michelle. Um, when he was a prospect, and then realized, holy cow, this dude is old, and and now he's he's have had some health issues even before in high in like high school, college, and now in the pros, and looks like he could get passed up by Damian Harris, and really James White is always the passing guy already, and now in February the dude's going to be 26 already. Like I remember talking about, man, we're gonna we're gonna blink twice, and Sony Michelle is going to be an old man, and that's exactly what happened. Uh, so I think Harris is going to get more of a run. I don't think he's going to be given the, the keys uh, because I don't think that's really their M.O. Uh, but White is the guy that I think they trust Trust there. I think uh, we could really go down a rabbit hole into how Cam Newton targets passing backs versus actually, no, he actually only targeted Christian McCaffrey, really. But James White has that kind of receiving upside that I think he would trust a James White more than anything else. And I don't think that there's going to be a ton of value outside of the weeks that they score a touchdown or two uh, among any of the other running backs in that offense. So White is just going to stick around and be that annoying guy that saps the touches from the younger backs that we want to be relevant but just aren't going to be. Give me a running back or wide receiver rookie this year, sort of a lottery ticket guy that you think that has a shot to pay off. It, it, maybe it's Michael Pittman. Who do you think is the, the sort of running back wide receiver guy that you go, you know what, I'm telling you, in seasonal league, second half of the year, a la like a Miles Sanders, this guy can really pop. Antonio Gibson. For oh, the yeah, Washington, good one. Yes. Yes, for the Washington football team. <laughs> Yeah, I think, you know, you've got a, an Adrian Peterson who is, uh, I think he's already collecting Social Security now, and uh, Darius Geis who has proven that he cannot stay healthy. I really wish him the best. The guy added, I think, about 150 pounds in, in muscle, could probably bench press my house. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, that that's that's great and all, but Antonio Gibson is, is such a wild card because he's, he what, he had 70-something career touches in Division One football. He went the JUCO route. Uh, comes out and has one kind of crazy efficient season and then just kills the combine and the whole NFL starts salivating to the point at which he goes day two with basically an unprecedented resume that we've really almost never seen happen with a running back slash wide receiver. I mean, the dude had almost no touches in his, in his career, had like 30-something carries, and now, now he's going to be a running back? It's, it's hard to project success, but in a situation uh, with an old man and a guy who can't stay healthy – 
and 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 a coach that's already talked about potentially you know comparing him to a Christian McCaffrey, I like Antonio Gibson. I can't possibly have you on the podcast, Trav, and not talk about next year players coming in. So give us a little preview here. There's a couple guys that have your eye on coming in next year that you think in the 2021 NFL draft people are going to really be interested in. Well, I, I won't go too deep and nerdy here. I'm I, I can go off the edge pretty quickly. So <laughs> I, I think uh, I'll just keep it simple. Uh, Jamar Chase. Uh, everyone already believes that he he would have been the wide receiver one this year had he chosen to come out. He would have been a top ten pick ahead of Henry Ruggs. And honestly, there are a couple other guys that might have been better than any, any of the other wide receivers uh, that are going to come out next year. Also, Rondale Moore out of Purdue. Uh, just. Freak had a 2,200-yard all-purpose season as a true freshman. Uh, he's going to have a weird quarterback situation this fall. I think everyone's going to have a weird fall for college football. But he was injured most of last year. But he's an all-purpose animal that is going to profile much better than you know what people comp him to, like a Tavon Austin. Like He's a much stronger and faster version of Tavon Austin that can do anything that you want. That, that if, if anybody's going to be Tyreek Hill, uh, then or the next Tyreek Hill, that kind of guy. Rondale Moore is that, and then Rash- Rashad Bateman, who just chose to sit out. I think a lot of people are going to be interested in in him. He was out producing Tyler Johnson uh, pretty quickly when he came into uh, college uh, at, at Minnesota. So those are three fun wide receiver names, running backs. I think uh, the obvious names everyone's going to get excited about are Travis Etienne. Chuba Hubbard and Najee Harris, but I really want to see Kenneth Gainwell get some uh, draft capital out of Memphis because the dude had like 50 catches last year as a running back and 1,500 yards to go with, over 2,000 yards from scrimmage for Memphis last year. So if he has an insane year like that and he adds maybe 10 pounds, the dude is going to get some capital and be a lot of fun and, and potentially be you know, Alvin Kamara with a perfect production profile. Who are you a truther for? Who's the guy that's hanging on? The start of this year, Evan Silva was the first one on the pod this year. He stays with Rex Burkhead, no matter what. Who are you a truther for here, Travis? <laughs> oh, my gosh. The guys that I just, for no reason, decide to keep drafting. Um, I, I think because of the situation, we already talked about it a little bit, uh, but DeAndre Washington, uh, who is now, you know, he's going to be a backup running back, one of three backup running backs uh, now that Damian Harris is gone uh, for the Chiefs behind one Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and still costs virtually nothing in most formats. I was a huge fan of DeAndre Washington when he was in college, and I always managed to have him somewhere or pick him up as a as a lottery, you know, waiver ad midseason, <laughs> whatever it is. Yeah. Uh, just a, a believer irrationally snow, uh, so that he's going to finally hit. Uh, but if we're that confident in CEH in that role, uh, what happens if Washington gets that role too? So could be could be fun as a as a late flyer or just kind of a, a waiver ad. Man, just did a fantastic job here. I got one more question, then I'll get you out of here. So give me your bold prediction here. Give me something. Rich Rebar said that we're going to have 16 games. He thought that was a bold prediction, but give me your prediction here, <laughs> Travis, on the season. Did a great job. Wrap it up. Well, what's what's the big one you're going on a limb for? Uh, I'm going to go with. Uh, Robert Woods is a top five wide receiver. Oh, that's a good one. Oh, very nice. Yeah, I love Robert Woods. There's a lot yeah. of gifts of Robert Woods out there that you could use for Twitter. I, that's an excellent one. <laughs> yeah, because, I mean, it was so funny. We all, Last year we were talking about, like, his 
I felt like every week I heard some podcast talking about his targets per week and his, his air yards and all this stuff, and he just couldn't catch a, a touchdown for the life of him, right? Yeah. And so if he has any luck in the other direction, getting some touchdown love, and, and like I said, if, if Goff actually turns his 630 freaking pass attempts into more than 22 touchdowns, that's going to go to somebody, finally. And, you know, Cooks is no longer there. Uh, I, I'm not a Van Jefferson truther, <laughs> and Cooper Cup hasn't been known to miss some time. I mean, there are all sorts of ways that, I mean, with some help, he's in that category. But I think without any help and just some touchdown love, the dude could be in the top five conversation for wide receivers. He's always been good. He had his entire rookie contract wasted in Buffalo, finally woke up and was immediately better than Sammy Watkins when he came to L.A. the first time and has been the wide receiver one in terms of like a target basis really every year. So uh, I like Robert Woods. Uh, that's a great one, folks. Travis May, have to follow him on Twitter at FF underscore Travis M. Fantastic work here at Rotoviz. Writer, podcast, College to Canton podcast, superior job. Travis May, Trav, thanks so much for coming on. We really appreciate it. Great stuff. And, and yeah. fingers crossed that we are a month away from the oh, start yeah. of the NFL season. Please. Let's hope. I appreciate it. Going back to my NBA over-unders. Here we go. Can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> Well, hey, thanks for having me on, man. It was, it was a great time. Yeah, always reach out to me, everyone, FF underscore Travis M on Twitter. Uh, follow the new uh, podcast handle handle uh, at college, the number two, Canton. Uh, just talking about college recruiting all the way to Pro Football Hall of Fame, everything prospects. So diving in deep there. Just uh, can't wait to share more with you guys on there. But, yeah, really, really thankful for the uh, opportunity to come on and talk some football. Got it on my rotation. Thanks, man. Thank you for listening to Rotoviz Radio. Please rate and review the podcast on iTunes under the Fantasy Football Mailbag, a Rotoviz Radio feed. Contact us via email, rotovizradio at gmail.com. We'd love to hear what you think, so follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio and at Randall Rant. Make sure you tell a friend, and don't forget to sign up for a 10% discount on our podcast homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. It's a no-brainer, folks. Thanks for tuning in.